Love is. Well, what? What does it mean to love and be loved? And when Jesus talks to, about love to his friends and to us, what, what does he mean by that? Hi, and welcome to this service from St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. I'm Stuart and I get to be the minister here. Today, that's if you're watching on Sunday the 9th of May 2021, after 420 days since we last met together in our church building, St Ninian's is open again for worship. If you want to join us in person, then you need to book a place by phoning Margaret McGregor on 01698 792 552. That's 792 552. It's an exciting time for many, and at the same time, it's still a time to be cautious and to continue to look out for each other. The food bank collection is open again today from 1 till 2pm. If you're coming to church on a Sunday, then you can drop off your donations then too. Today in worship, I'm joined by Joyce and John Hamilton. Of love that is owed by this thankful heart. 
Let's listen now for the word of God as John reads for us. Reading from John 15, verse 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, I do not call you servants any longer, because a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. I quite often like to have a look at what I've said about passages before. It's a dangerous thing though because you either then wonder what on earth you were thinking or you can't get that previous idea out of your head. So the new sermon is a bit of a rehash. I almost looked this week, but stopped short. When I saw the date of the service on my files, I realised that this passage, it comes up at remembrance once in a while. And well, it's not remembrance, so why would I look? But then the thought persisted. This passage from John's Gospel talks about giving up your life for your friends. That there's nothing greater. That makes sense as a remembrance theme. Of course it does. Ideas of sacrifice and honour readily come to mind on that day of all days. We're quick to jump to the ultimate sacrifice, the giving of a life. Because that's what Jesus does. He lays down his life for his friends. Jesus says these words as part of his farewell teaching. He's about to be arrested, tried and executed. His sacrifice, his laying down of his life, is at the centre of what he was thinking, and, and rightly so. But... I think there's more to this passage than that. More to the idea of giving up your life for your friend. After all, most of us will thankfully never find ourselves in a position where we might be asked to give our physical lives. And that's a good thing. So something even bigger is going on. But what? Well, I think it's all to do with love. Abide in my love, Jesus tells his friends. Follow my commandments which by this time included love one another. Meatloaf famously sang that he would do anything for love, but he wouldn't do that. Oddly, 
The song doesn't say what that is. But for now, let's just go with it and suggest that the sentiment is one we can all perhaps relate to. We all have a line that we're unwilling to cross. There are many, many things we might do, especially for love. But to be honest, I'm not doing that. I love you, but no, you're on your own. So I want us to have a think about that question. What is it we wouldn't do? It's a question that leads to moral and legal answers. I'm not going to harm anyone else or break the law or stuff like that. But actually, we bend those kinds of morals all the time, even without much thought. I won't do anything that hurts anyone else. I took the car to the co-op the other day because it was raining and I bought chocolate that isn't fair trade even though it was next to the stuff that was. And that seems like a choice with no consequences. But of course they have huge consequences for the people whose lives have been ruined by climate change. And the cocoa farmers who aren't getting a fair wage for their work or a fair price for their crop. I don't see those people every day so I don't necessarily think much about them. I put my own needs first. One of the lessons I hope we have learnt from the last year is that we are much more connected to other people than we thought we were. That means our neighbours and people around the world. The Jaguar car plant had to close for a week last month because they didn't have any computer chips to run the engine management system in their cars. Bikes are hard to come by because the parts are made in other places. The Covid situation in India will have a potentially massive impact here as all the services we've outsourced because wages are cheaper and, well, all of a sudden they're going to come to a stop because of lockdowns and illness. I hope that we might have learned that our flourishing is inextricably linked to the flourishing of others. That's an idea that has strong roots in this part of the world, with the industrial reformers at the mills and the Clyde. It's also an idea that's been put aside time and time again throughout history as people have sought to make money from slavery and corruption or at the expense of poorly paid workers. Jesus uses the image of the vine. One grape doesn't get all the resources. They all share the goodness so that they all flourish. I think in many ways that's the kind of stuff Jesus is talking about here as well as his own sacrifice. Love is a giving up of oneself. Now that's a problematic statement because it comes with all kinds of warnings and caveats. It's not about being controlled, it's not about having no say and it's not about not being you. But in its truest sense, love is about living for someone else. That's what Mr Loaf is singing about. I love you so much that I would do anything for you. But that's not quite right either, is it? Love isn't about doing things for other people just to keep them happy. Remember that this teaching from Jesus takes place somewhere between Judas leaving to betray Jesus and the three moments where Peter will deny even knowing who Jesus is. What's about to happen to Jesus will cause, at least in the short term, deep sadness and grief and trauma. And yet, knowing all of this, knowing everything that's going to happen, and just how bad it will be, Jesus talks about joy. What? Joy? There's absolutely no joy to be had in what's about to happen. Only pain and despair and guilt and grief. 
or is there? Because that pain and despair and guilt and grief are the reality of the loss of love. They will only exist for the disciples in this instance because Jesus, someone they love, suffers and is taken away from them. At the heart of their grief is love. The relationship between Jesus and his disciples has changed during this whole episode in the upper room. He's washed their feet and told them that they are now to be his friends. And that sounds odd to us. Haven't they been friends all along? Well, the answer is no. They were his disciples. He was their master and they were his pupils. They were in a hierarchical relationship. Jesus was the boss. And now he's put that aside to enter into friendship with them. Real friendship, not mates or acquaintances or those people that you met somewhere sometime and now you're friends on Facebook, even though you don't know them really very well at all. Friendship in Jesus' time was a serious business. To be someone's friend was to be committed to them in a relationship that had different rules and expectations to followers or acquaintances. Friends have a responsibility to look out for each other's welfare and and, and well-being. So when Jesus talks about them as friends and speaks of his joy being their joy, it's because he knows their friendship will not end. In chapter 14, just before this, he tells them that he's going to prepare a place for them so that they will be where he is. A friend like this wants the very best for their friends. And that means being what we would all call selfless, seeking the good of another before yourself. And your friend does the same for you. That's what Jesus is talking about when he speaks about loving one another. A spacious, generous concern. In this farewell discourse, Jesus seeks to bring hope to his friends in the face of the difficulties to come. And I suppose it all comes down to something that's true for all of us. They have to trust them. They have to trust that his promises are true. That they will be where he is. And that he is with us. That trust allows them and us to abide in Jesus' love. In the first part of this passage, Jesus uses that image of the vine to help his friends to understand what it means to abide. Being connected, nourished and protected and sustained, being rooted in him. And that always allows us to grow and thrive and bear fruit for everyone to flourish. In the book of Acts, there's a a story where Peter visits a man called Cornelius, who's not like Peter in any way. He's a Roman, he's not Jewish. And in that encounter, Peter's whole worldview has changed, turned upside down. All the stuff he'd been told about how he belonged and what was accepted to God was challenged. And everyone there received the Holy Spirit. None of them had been baptised. God just decided. And Peter saw that it was good, even though it challenged everything he knew and believed. He knew that it was all good because it was rooted in Christ. Everyone was flourishing. But for that to happen, he was going to have to make space to change, to grow himself and to help others to grow. The route isn't the most glamorous role, is it? It's a bit like being an acrobat in a pyramid where all the focus is on the person doing the flourishing up high on top, but without the strength of those in the bottom, the whole thing would collapse. Nobody sees the roots, but they know when there's a problem with the plant that's connected to them. The thing that holds it all together, the food, the shelter, all of it, is the root, love. All of this giving is done by Jesus so that we might be loved. 
and so that we can love others in the same way, so that we can care for them, rejoice with them and share in their sorrow, so that we can be fruitful together in that mutual friendship that's firmly rooted in Christ. Love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. It's both a huge challenge and the greatest of gifts. Both the hardest thing that we can be asked to do and the most wonderful. So yes, yes there is joy even in the hardest of moments. Because those moments are moments of love. And our love is grafted into Christ who holds us and whispers to us that we are loved. You are loved. Always. Lord of love, you call us to love all people in the way you love us. Today, we first pause to recognise what your love for us looks like. It is like nothing else. So often we fail, so often we mess up, yet you are there with unconditional love. Do we cherish this love you extend to us? Do we really acknowledge it with the gratitude we should? We take time to know your love for us. Lord of love, we are now ready. Ready to take what we know about our inclusion in your circle of love that we can extend our vision outwards and away from ourselves, focusing instead on the world around us, the people we live in community with and the issues of the world itself. We pray for those who feel excluded, left out, for those who find society a place where it is easy to feel excluded from what others might take for granted. We pray for those who are made to feel not just servants of others at the beck and call of people around them, but indeed slaves to powerful masters who create a real experience of fear and distress. We take time to know your love for them. We pray for those who feel unloved because of knowing little human love and affirmation in their life. We recognise how hard it must be for some to have any genuine sense of being loved by you. We take time to know your love for them. Today, across the world and running deep into our communities, may your love be more widely known and more broadly shared. Let such a peace envelop your people that any desire to exclude others will be anathema for all who seek to welcome and befriend one another. We pray in the words you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Friends, you are loved. Jesus loves you and calls on us to love others. So let's go in peace to do just that. May the love and peace of Christ go with you, this day and forevermore.